they say put your mm-hmm. air your your oxygen on first. first before you and you're thinking like how could I put mine on before I put it on my baby if you're not well and even as <laughs> right. doulas I think dumb. if we don't yeah. take care of ourselves how mm-hmm. do we put ourselves in a position to take care of other people exactly so we're constantly yeah. putting on our oxygen mask first yeah. and we're constantly teaching people to put their oxygen mask on before you try to take care of your household and that yeah. might mean getting some outside help Hola, hello, and welcome to the Clear Birth Podcast. For my returning listeners, thanks for being here. And for my new listeners, I'm your host, Annette Corral. Today, we'll be having our second roundtable, where the main topic is everything postpartum. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining my podcast today. I want to start with um, having everybody just introduce themselves and say a little bit about yourself your doula services, your handles. Uh, well, let's start with Adele Bodie. Yes. Hi, I'm Adele Bodie. I'm a postpartum doula and a certified lactation counselor. I'm Adele the doula, I think on all the platforms. I, I service, I serve new families um, right after they deliver. Usually I like to meet them prenatally and have a lot of sessions and we'll talk more about that. What, the benefits are meeting with postpartum doulas while you're still pregnant uh, to try and prepare them for what postpartum is going to be. But I'm kind of in the home as a tour guide to what their new life is like, what their baby is saying, but they may not understand. Um, I definitely do a lot of lactation support for new families, Um, not just the lactating lactating person, but any support that they have because there's a lot of um, misconceptions and a lot of need for support. So that's a summary of my services. Okay, let's start with Tanisha Evans-Marin. Hi, my name is Tanisha Evans-Marin. I am Marin. a donor certified, yeah, everyone says Marin or Marin. Martin, <laughs> <laughs> but it's Marin. <laughs> I am a donor certified uh, birth and postpartum doula. I'm also a carriage house birth um, certified birth doula. Um, I'm a Lamaze certified childbirth educator and a certified lactation counselor, a placenta specialist. And I also work with uh, community doula-based organization called Healthy Women, Healthy Futures. Wonderful. LaShonda Dandridge. Hi, I am LaShonda. I am a IBCLC. The International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, um, but I am also, which I tend to leave out, and I don't know why, I'm also a postpartum doula. Um, so I always say I bring to my lactation world that postpartum doula touch. Um, I mainly do lactation, though, a lot of lactation support, a lot of um, one-on-one with families, but also I do groups, uh, mm-hmm. support groups. And a big thing that I really love doing is making more IBCLCs, <laughs> lactation professionals, because you can never have enough lactation support. Oh, that's wonderful. I didn't know that. That is true. We do need more. Um, so I just want to go around and ask everyone, how is everyone holding up now during COVID? Adele, you want to start? Yeah, I've had an interesting um, time during COVID. We started out, my husband and I uh, don't have kids. We have two dogs. So we were kind of living the life of luxury, I want to (laughs) say. A couple months ago, we we started fostering four kids. So we went from zero to 100 um, pretty quickly. (laughs) Congratulations. Remote learning and potty training and 
you know, sleep regressions, all the fun. Yeah. Uh, 11, well, we had a birthday, we had a graduation. So one, 10, five, two, and seven months. Oh, wonderful. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So we got the full experience, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Definitely do. <laughs> How about you, Tanisha? Um, uh, at first, I would say in March, the end of March, I was not doing so well. It was very... Not when I say not doing so, I meant like I was like having like anxiety attacks. I don't even mm-hmm. suffer from anxiety, but I was mm-hmm. just like, what in God's name is going on in the world right now? Um, I do have three children. I call them my young adults because they're all older. Mm-hmm. But um, at the end of March, we moved to Pittsburgh, and I just got back probably about three weeks ago from Pittsburgh, living in Pittsburgh, in one of my um, sister-in-law's house, which was fantastic it gave me like so much incentive to come home and throw stuff out like to purge (laughs) i was like what you know it was like a three-story house it was four of us staying there they had minimal stuff and we Mm. took our dog with us and i was like why do we have so much stuff in our four-bedroom apartment like we have so this house would be crowded with all the stuff that we brought if we actually moved here so um i'm much better now i don't go outside too much really um if i do it's in a car I am not ready to socialize with people. Like I know people are like eating out at restaurants on the sidewalks and I'm like driving by in the car. Like that's not six feet. Like they're too close. There's too many. There are too many. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, that's too close. Like now I'm in the street. Like if a car just happens to like, you know, (laughs) make a wrong turn, like now I'm dead because of a car accident not because of COVID, you know, so I'm really trying to figure out ways. To, like yesterday was the first day I actually went for a walk and I walked about, you know, 12 blocks and then back home and it was hot. And I was like, this was the stupidest idea ever. Like why, why did I walk today? You know, but still I was just like looking at everyone without their mask. And I was just like, Oh, what are people doing? You know, like, and, yeah. and I was like sweating bullets, but I'm really just trying to exercise. I exercise, you know, about three to five times a day a week. Um, I'm eating healthier. Um, I'm meditating. I pray, you know, so I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to live. If this is our new way of living, you know, without worried about like, you know, eating outside, I'm not there yet. I don't want to eat outside. Like Mm -hmm. I'll eat in the car. I'll just get my food and bring it back home. But, uh, and then heat it up. Cause I'm like, well, what if someone like sneezed over it, you know? So I'm I'm still I'm still figuring out how to live here because in Pittsburgh it was it was like desolate. There were no people like, you know, we could sit on the porch and like no one would walk by in the neighborhood. I could go for very long walks, but maybe seeing two people, you know, mm-hmm. the whole time. Whereas here I leave the building and I've seen five people already. So yeah. I'm figuring out how to manage living in the city yeah. <laughs> without killing someone, <laughs> you know, for not having a mask on. It is definitely uh, yeah. challenging. Yes. Yeah. And it's so loud. Oh, sorry. oh. <laughs> right? I can, okay. I can imagine compared to, and this is quiet. I don't know, but right. for me, no, it's it been is, quiet. So it was so loud. Like when I read the email and it said, um, find a quiet spot. And I'm like, well, I have to go back to Pittsburgh for that. It's, like, <laughs> it's, so, it's so loud here. The sirens going by and everything. And I'm like, this is my good old New York, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> LaShonda. Um, 
same, <laughs> all the things, except that I haven't left um, New York. Um, well, that's not true. I went to my sister's in Jer- She lives in Jersey, so they have a house in the backyard. So we went there for one weekend. Um, but other than that, it's just been me and my daughter in the apartment. And when it first happened, I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm pretty much a homebody. I can stay mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, like echoing Tanisha, um, I've never thought I was somebody that had anxiety and this has all it started um I jokingly say but not so jokingly that I've developed agoraphobia or agoraphobia however mm-hmm. you say it mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I was talking to a friend the other day and she was down at like um Union Square and I was like <gasps> how are you out there what's going on like what's happening? <laughs> you know? exactly yeah. yeah I was somebody who considered myself like a hardcore New Yorker like you know it's best city in the world I couldn't imagine living anywhere else and so with this I'm like hmm (laughs) like where am I gonna go yeah so I thought I'd be a city girl forever but I'm definitely thinking about like for next pandemic Right. <laughs> Just to be prepared, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I thought fi- I found that that um the same. Like just, you know, in the beginning I was like, I'm a homebody. I can do this. And um and homeschooling or rather I like to say I'm not homeschooling. This is not homeschooling at all because this is not what homeschool looks like. This is right. learning. Exactly. Right? right? And yeah. and also my son is 14 and he mm. is very much an independent learner. Um, and he, he has it. Like I'll get, get emails from school. He's missing this assignment. I'm like, you're missing an assignment. And he's like, I got it, mom. And it's not updated and you know, it's no problem. So I am not like, if he was in grade school, I think that I would be pulling my hair out because his school managed to, get it together in a way that in the beginning they required them to go to Zooms. And then afterwards, it was like after a week, they were like, okay, we recorded all the Zooms, get to it by this date, do the assignments by that time. And it made it really easier, especially for him. I'm like, I wish I had the luxury at 14 to stand up until like five, six o'clock in the morning, right? And sleeping all day and then doing my homework. Like he's, he's having a blast. So, um, but I do feel now that with the, the weather the way it is and nicer I am starting to miss the activities that I used to do a lot mm-hmm. just like being you know shared activities I went to a drive drive-in the other day um with some friends they have drive-ins now up in um Orchard Beach Tribeca Films is doing and so it's like three of my friends who we've been like social distancing everyone you know I've been tested several times and we were in a car and we watched girls trip and it just was like it made me miss outside even more. So, yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, we can all come together soon. But I don't think, I think, I agree. I think this is going to be our new normal for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, let's just get into the podcast. Um, sure. So I'd like to know from each of you, and I'll call names to make it easier. Um, you know, what brought you to doula work? Adele, you want to start? Sure. I, I don't think I knew what doula work was. No, I, I know I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I mm-hmm. just was doing it for people. Um, I was my sister's doula. I moved in with the last trimester. I lived with her. I stayed with her for the first several months. 
Um, and that was like 20 something years ago. But more recently, a friend of mine said she was having a baby. I was like, oh, cool. I did what everyone else does. Let me know if you need anything. <laughs> and, yeah. and then I forgot. And I was like, oh, she's so pregnant. Okay, how's it going? What's going on over there? <laughs> she's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm having a baby on this day. And I was like, I didn't think they came like that. Um, she's like, oh, no, we, we have to, we're scheduling it. I was like, oh, okay, well, then you need help. When should I come? And she was like, oh, I'll let you know when the baby comes. I was like, no that's not going to work. So I basically bludgeoned my way into her apartment. I was like, I'm going to be there for a week. When do you want me to come? Like right before, right the day of. And she was just like, um, what? <laughs> so I was there for a week. She ended up needing to be in the hospital a little longer. Um, and when I, when, when she got home, we kind of worked through things together. Like we we're all like, what, what happened to the nice, quiet baby that was in the hospital? And, you know, we went through cluster feeding. We're looking up Google. But she wasn't by herself, which I think was the, the big thing. Her nearest relative was in Europe. So she didn't have support locally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when when I was about to leave, she was like, I will pay you to stay. So I was like, wait a minute. Tell me more about this job that pays you to do what I'm doing. And I love it anyway. So, yes, that's when I found out about dual work. And I think two months later, I was in a training um, you know, just getting more confirmation that this is what I need to be doing. And how so long was, ago was that? And what? Yeah, who took? Like, who did you take your doula training with? About six years ago with Dona. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then I to just me- continued. So then my my uh, lactation. I just wanted to you know add on as much as I could to help new families. So the things that she was struggling with were the things I wanted to be more versed in. And what did you, who took, who did you take your lactation training with? Um, I think that's Healthy Children's Project. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. LaShonda? Oops, there we go. <laughs> so I came to, I guess everyone kind of has the same path in some way. Um, so like Odell, I feel like I was always like interested in people like after they birth and when they were mm-hmm. pregnant and stuff. Um, but, you know, went on with my regular daily life of, you know, I was a physical therapy assistant and I went to work. Then I got pregnant and uh, I was in a course and a girl who I was in there with, she also was pregnant. We found out we were pregnant at the same time. And she said that, oh, she's going to have a doula. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> that's when the world uh, opened up to me. And then I went through, I didn't, I was not smart. I didn't end up having a doula, which I should have. But um, I went through my pregnancy, had my daughter, and then looked, went back and looked into doula work. And I think like most people or out in the world, you hear a lot about birth doulas. <laughs> and so having a little one, I was like, how is that going to work? You know, I can't just yeah. up and go to somebody's birth. But um was reading more and found out about postpartum doula work. And I was like, oh. And then my having my daughter and my love for and my passion for breastfeeding. And I was like, oh, postpartum doula and breastfeeding. It just goes hand in hand and you can schedule it better. And so that's how um, the doula and I guess whole maternal world opened up to me. And how long ago was that? Ah, um, 2000 and... 12 I think I took the donor training and then I was a postpartum doula I had a few families um 
Well, I took the training, the donor training, and then in 2013, I quit my full-time job as a physical therapy assistant and did postpartum doula work as I was studying for the IBCLC exam. So mm-hmm. that's how that came about. Yeah. <laughs> and explain a little bit about the IBCLC exam. Like, what? how long is the training? How long does, what does that entail? So IBCLC is, uh, like I mentioned before, an international board certified lactation consultant. So for lack of a better word, I, I say there are different levels of lactation support. And so the IBCLC would be the one that takes the longest <laughs> and has the most probably interactions um, of, of with the mother baby dyad, the lactating person and baby dyad to get to the exam. So there is an exam. Um, it was only given once a year when I was doing it. Now it's twice a year. Okay. And they have what they call different pathways in order to get to that exam. So pathway one would be someone who's already working with mothers and babies. So think of your OBs, your midwives, your pedi- uh, pediatricians, your uh, nurses on the labor and postpartum floor. And then they can basically tell IBLC, which is the governing body exam with, that I want to become an IBCLC. And they clock their hours and they sit the exam. Halfway two is a actual college program that I think it, I know there's definitely one in North Carolina. I'm not too sure about where there are other ones, <laughs> but same thing. You get the education, you do some mentoring hours, you sit the exam. Pathway three is the most popular one, I would say, because usually people aren't in the medical. You don't have to be in the medical field or an RN, which a lot of people are not like don't know. So if you are sitting out there and you do want to become an IBCLC, you don't have to have been a, a nurse. Like everyone will sometimes say to me, oh, you're a lactation consultant. Are you also a nurse? And like, no. And that surprises them. <laughs> but pathway three are for those people out there who, again, were not in the medical field, mm-hmm. um, but you do have to have some college courses. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you have to have the mentoring hour, so you would seek out a mentor, someone like myself who's already a lactation consultant, and you need 500 hours of mentoring, meaning that someone follows me um, and, you know, work with mothers and babies, and then you sit the exam. So that's basically <laughs> the, the nutshell of how you get to IVCC. And so you mentioned... Um, it's 500 hours and people shadow you. Do you charge for your services of shadowing? Because I know there are some people who charge and some people who don't. Yes, I do. I would say I'm more on the minimal side mm-hmm. and, you know, money is energy, energy exchange. So, Definitely. and it does yeah, for that. And it does, um, I do, you, you, it's energy, it's time. So I do, the people who I work with, I do talk with them. We, we, you know, go over the cases that we're, that they're seeing if they have questions. So, cause at first I was like, why do I want to charge? Like, I just want everyone to be, you get an but, um, but I, I, you know, I had to, you know, step up my business game and say, no, this is time. This is energy. You have exactly. To, right? exactly. So, um, I do, and I do, charge what I say is again more on the lower end and I do do sliding scales and there are some people who I do not charge yeah. um, and it depends on um, 
how you come to me and how what's happening in your life because mm-hmm. you know I was lucky enough to be someone who um, was able to not be charged a lot because you know I was working I was a new mom and I was you know we yeah. don't yeah. we live in New York we don't have yeah. tons of money and it is um, it can get very costly yes. this pathway to yes. to becoming an IBCLC. So, um, but yeah, if you, I always tell anyone, if you want to talk boobs, I am your person. <laughs> if you want to get to a pathway to help people talk about boobs, I am your person. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, I do believe that we need to charge for our services. We deserve to be paid. Um, so. That is a great service, and it's good that you offer a sliding scale and also a free option for those who really need it. You know, that's wonderful. And Tanisha? I have been doing doula work for about 23 years. The first 15 or 16 of those years, I did not know I was doing doula work. My original plan as an eight-year-old was to be an obstetrician. Mm-hmm. And um, my mother had always been a career-driven woman, and I was, you know, a latchkey kid and she went to school and she went to work and, you know, and I said to myself, you know, I just don't want to be away from my kids as much as my mom was away from me. And I was a good kid. Like Mm -hmm. I could have done tons of things that weren't great, but I was a good kid. And I was really, really proud of what she was doing because she was a single mom and she was doing it, but I wanted a different path for myself. And so I wound up having children before I went to med school which I was totally fine with. My um, middle son did not think that at eight years old. He thought that I had just given up and, you know, made a mistake by having children instead of becoming a doctor. So he's on his path to become a doctor for himself. I told him, mm-hmm. hopefully, not because <laughs> yeah, of what exactly. you thought I should have done. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so, um, so I was doing it. I was, you know, supporting family and friends. And I didn't know that it was doula work. I really didn't. And I didn't know it until my mother-in-law, who actually lives in Pittsburgh, was in her doctor's office, little white Jewish woman. And she saw this woman and this woman told her that she was a doula. And she said, what? I think my daughter-in-law does that. Like, you know, what does she need to do to get, you know, to, to do this professionally? And so she calls me up and she's like, Tanisha, do you know what a doula is? And in my head, I'm thinking like, you know, I've been a stay at home mom forever. Like you just don't want your son to like, you know, be stressed out with taking care of kids and, you know, having a stay at home wife. You just want me to go work. Right? And she's like, no, 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 honestly, like, I don't care if you, you know, whatever you guys do, I really think you'd be good at this. You know, you're already doing it. And I was like, wait, people get paid to do what I'm doing for free. And she's like, yes. And I was like, where? Like, <laughs> sign me up, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I looked into it probably two months, three months after she spoke about it. Cause again, I was like, my kids come first. I want to be present for them. Um, And they were still, you know, younger than they are now, but not so young that I couldn't think about it. So I, you know, thought about it, sat on it for about a few months. And then I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do this. Like, I think, I think this is what I need to do. This is what I want to do. It puts me in a place closer to the career I thought that I wanted when I was younger, but without all of the headache. And the reason why, you know, I didn't go to med school after the kids were a little bit older was that with all the disparities that are going on now and stuff, I really felt like it would be hard for a woman of color to implement these positive ways of birthing your baby. And I'd have to work under this whole umbrella of like, no, this is how you do it. And then I'd be looked at as like the bad black OB, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what, there's another way around this where I can help protect 
and support, you know, women who are birthing or birthing people who are birthing their babies other than being the obstetrician, like educating them, you know, and providing emotional support, helping them advocate for themselves, advocating for them in some cases. And to me, that was really, it was way bigger than helping deliver their baby. You know, Mm -hmm. like it was really, I really wanted people to find their voices. And so I said, okay, well, this, this is, this gives me an end. This still gives me an end to do and be surrounded around, you know, what I've dreamed of doing. And so I I just did it. I just was doing it. And then I got certified with Dona. Mm -hmm. And then I took the birth training with Dona with a community-based organization. And then I said, you know what? Postpartum is huge. I suffered with baby blues after my, you know, second child, right? Mm -hmm. And I had a nurse come. She wasn't a postpartum doula. She was like a, you know, visiting nurse and she came. And I don't know who she is or what her name was, but she literally, in my opinion, saved my life, right? She she helped me bond with my baby Mm -hmm. because I was just like, I had a cesarean and I was like, first time having a cesarean, And I just was like, not there, I was not connected. And so when I took the birth training, I thought I need to do the postpartum. I need to be able to help support people in the end of this because everybody sends you home and then you're like, I have this new baby. What do I do? Like, they told me I should breastfeed. They showed me how to breastfeed, you know, but like, I'm feeling down today. Who do I tell this to? Do I call my doctor and say, you know, I'm feeling a little crappy today. Who can I reach out to? And so I thought, postpartum like went hand in hand with birth for me right Mm because I'm supporting you during before you you know during the pregnancy I'm supporting you during your labor and then I want to be able to support you postpartum and then of course what happens in the postpartum period everybody's struggling breastfeeding right so I'm like oh gosh I need to like get certified in lactation I breastfed for two years like, I need to be able to, like, educate people on how to do this. I'm not as good as LaShonda. I always call her. I'm like, LaShonda, what does this mean? I need you to go see my clients, you know? So, but I'm learning, right? And I just felt like all of these things kind of go hand in hand with each other, right? And then there are people who want to encapsulate their placentas. And they're like, well, who do we go to? Like, you know, we don't know anyone that, you know, does that. And I'm like, I do. I encapsulate placentas. Like, you know, there are healthy benefits to it. And I don't push it on anyone, right? If they've done their research and they, you know, and they, they come to me, like I'm never advocating for you to encapsulate your placenta. If that's something you've done your research on and you feel like that's something that might help you, then I'm the person to do that for you. And then what else do we need? We need childbirth ed. So I'm like, I'm older. My kids are older. Like how much longer am I going to be able to go to a birth at three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, you know, and be there for 12 to 36 hours? How long will my body be able to sustain that? So I was Mm -hmm. like, I think I need to get certified in Lamaze childbirth education. So then that way I can then educate. I can still educate people without having to go and do a double hip squeeze for 12 hours, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. So, so, you know, here I am. And I, you know, I'm also a community-based doula. So I still give back to my community. I'm a community um, doula and a mentor. So, you know, if there are people who can't afford to, you know, pay my services for my, my you know, my business, then I refer them to the community-based organization. And then I would still be their doula. Mm-hmm. Um, just so that way they still have that support. I think everyone who wants a doula and feels like they need a doula should be able to have a doula. And however they come to do that, whether it's sliding scale, community-based, you know, free, that's, you know, that's up to the doula and, you know, and the client. But I think that anyone who wants and needs a doula should definitely be able to have one. And insurance should pay for it more. 
They definitely should. I they agree should with you on that. So. Uh, I just want to go back for a second. So if you could talk a little bit about placenta encapsulation and mm-hmm. list some of the benefits and why we do it, why it should be done and what are, what are the pros and cons, who can do it, who shouldn't do it. Yes. Yeah, so the benefits are um, helping to replenish the iron that we've lost. Mm-hmm. It can help with hormonal imbalance. Um, some people differ with breastfeeding, right? LaShonda, mm-hmm. some people say that it's not good for breastfeeding. Some people <laughs> say it is. Um, the pros are, you know, sometimes it's, it could be a placebo for some people, right? I've had repeat customers that came back that said it really helped. It gave them energy, right? It helped stabilize their hormones so they didn't feel those baby blues. Um, sometimes if it's a bit too strong and people suffer with anxiety, then that makes them a bit jittery, you know, then they don't use it. But um, and people who shouldn't do it are people who have, you know, HIV or herpes, those sorts of, you know, um, diseases. Those are people who shouldn't do it, you know. And people who don't, I mean, I have vegans encapsulate their placentas, you know, it's like they don't have meat or anything in the house that, you know, yeah. comes from living, you know, animals and stuff, but they will encapsulate their own placenta because they have done the research and they know that, you know, for them, those benefits are going to be helpful. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I want to ask too, I want to ask everyone, like um, the, the common theme is postpartum and helping moms postpartum. What are you seeing those first few days that are like the top two or three things that moms are struggling with postpartum. Adele, you'd like to start? Yeah. So I think it's shock, shock and awe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there's a lot of, I I don't know if the idea of bringing baby home is just, it doesn't hit home until you're home. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you, you're exhausted. Like you literally feel like you're ran over by a bus, regardless of how you birth, mm-hmm. you are, you're exhausted. Now you're in charge of another person. And whether you have additional support in the house or not, um, it doesn't change that. Sometimes it makes it worse because you might also be the person who was in charge of providing for that person. Now, how are they going to eat? Because they've never cooked for themselves before. Mm-hmm. So you have all the mental load that you had before. All women have, you know, generations. We take care of the entire household, but you literally, your mind isn't functioning. And then we have the hormones. So it's it's very physical. Like the demands are, I'm trying to heal. I am actually bleeding. I'm trying to heal a wound. And I, I need more than two hours of sleep. <laughs> and how do I get all the lists, my to-do list done? Like, why is there a to-do list? I guess there's a whole other conversation, but there, there is. And whether we want to or not, we want to get back to whatever our normal was, right? Well, I yes. always used to walk the dogs. Okay, well, now you can't walk. So mm-hmm. you're having a hard time getting to the bathroom. So now who's going to walk the dogs? Yeah. <laughs> who's going to, like, someone has to clean up because you didn't walk the dogs. Like, there's yeah. <laughs> so many, like, little <laughs> domino effects of the things that we do that nobody even considers that we can't do now. Yeah. And I think that's, it's shocking. Like, I don't know how else to say it. It's, it's scary and it's shocking. And people are like, help me. They don't, yeah. And then you can't really call your friends. They're like, oh, welcome to motherhood. And it's like, wait, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not, I didn't know. The sassy answer to that is not okay. I need actual physical help. Yeah. And of course, with the pandemic, the physical help is harder to come by. So I think that adds a whole other layer of 
loneliness and feeling isolated and um, not not being able to rely on who you thought you could rely on. Like mm-hmm. if you if you have extra anxiety because of all this, like have they been social distancing? Am I putting my child in danger because I have a doula now? Even if I bring grandma over, is she safe? Did she just call? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah. like you're starting this whole, you're going to have to leave. I'll yeah. figure this out on my own. Like I think everyone's kind of hunkering down and, and circling the wagons and it, it's only making this shock and awe harder. Have you been doing in-person postpartum since COVID? I have not. No. My, my inquiries have dropped dramatically. Um, and I, at first I thought it was um, actually going to go up because people couldn't, they were quarantining states. Well, they're, we're starting to do that again. So we're back to the beginning where certain states couldn't even come into New York. They had to be quarantined. If your grandmother, your mother, your aunt, whoever lived in another state, they couldn't come help you like they were planning to. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you going to do? So maybe you have outside help, but how do you trust this new person? I mean, yeah. re- regardless of the pandemic, how do you trust this new person with the new love of your life? Yeah. So there's just this, um, I've been doing more virtual and even that has been hard to kind of translate to people. Yes. Like you were going to wash the dishes. <laughs> Tell me how you <laughs> yeah. can do that virtually. Yeah. Explain to me how you're making dinner from over there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's, 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 again, it's kind of like this, um, translating your value. Um, yes. And that's, that's been interesting and challenging. And then of course we had our, our own kind of, we needed to hunker down on, on my side. So it's, yeah. the timing has been actually good. So I'm able to kind of devote my time to the kids we have in the house, but I am feeling for all the people birthing right now, cause they're, they're going through some stuff. <laughs> I need yeah. to start a postpartum support group. Um, for all the babies that were born during COVID because those Definitely. parents, um, even if they had the best ideal birthing situation and support in the house, it's not something happened to them and they need yeah. to talk through that. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. How about you, LaShonda? Um, what do I think, what do I, have I seen in the first yeah. few um, days and weeks? Uh, uh, well, like I said, mainly I go in as lactation, so <laughs> I always get that shock and awe of like, <laughs> oh my goodness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually started, so I do teach newborn care okay. for a few companies, and so and as well as Uptown Village. So I've been really trying to focus on that. Um, and it's hard, right, convincing people to take a class because everyone's like, oh, it's, you know, this is supposed to be natural. Like, you know, they throw out that word and it's natural. Yes. And so um, if you're out there listening, it is natural, but you still need a class. So <laughs> I really try and get people prior to to prepare them for the postpartum. Yes. So that's been like. I've like shifted my mission and trying to really talk to people because we've lost that that history of where we talk about it, right? Then I guess the number one thing I get is that why didn't anyone tell me it would be so hard? Yes. Whether they're talking about breastfeeding, whether they're talking about, you know, the baby not sleeping or recovering from labor, no matter what type of labor they had, the general consensus I would say is that Nobody ever told me it was going to be so hard, right? Mm-hmm. So trying to prepare people as much as they can. So I talk to people when I'm in these classes and say, who's going to walk your dog? <laughs> right? And I say, 
who has a dog and they raise their hand and it's usually the partner says, oh, I'm going to walk. And I'm like, no, you're not. Because you're going to be up at 2 a.m. as well. Like everybody's up, right? Yeah. So yeah. And so shifting their thinking to thinking about that. I feel like it, as a society, we don't talk about it as enough, right? We don't talk about the real. We don't talk, people talk about it, but in the sense of like to scare you and that fear mongering. And I had a horrible labor, so I'm going to talk about my horrible labor too. Yes. Right? You know, and yeah. so when I was, I found that being pregnant too, and I was just like, I want to have my own story. That's great for you. But I was I was able to to take what I needed from people talking to people and be like, I'm going to leave that little bit there. But a lot of people can't do that. Right. So they only hear about the fear side of things. Um, but we don't talk about the natural progression. We don't talk about how new humans eat all the time. We don't talk about like, oh, you may have a tear and that you need to sit. You need to um, let your body heal, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of my newborn care class where people come and they want to know about feeding and baby sleeping, right? Everyone's worried about sleeping through the night. New humans do not sleep through the night. Say that <laughs> no, a little they should not for sleep people. through the night. They should <laughs> not. Humans do not. They should not <laughs> sleep through the night. <laughs> but they're always worried, um, concerned, or you know, wanting to know about infant feeding and infant sleeping. And mm-hmm. I talk about that, but I also talk about new parents feeding and new parents sleeping. I'd say mm-hmm. sleep deprivation is a torture tool. Yes. When you don't get sleep, you can't think straightly, straight, right? When you're malnourished, you can't think straight. So what is that support going to look like afterwards? So really get, so everyone who leaves my class, they, their homework is you have to go home, think about what your life has been, like just start jotting down what you've been doing over the next week or two and how are you going to or outsource that? Postpartum doula, of yes. course, <laughs> definitely, definitely. You know, and I and I th- and I agree. I think that the thing that people don't take into consideration is that we're not a society that naps, right? Yeah. And so you are now up every two hours, and so you are more sleep deprived than you'll ever have been in yeah. your life. And we're not talking, you know, people like I know for me, I was like. I used to club from 12 to 12, right? And be in the club. And I was like, I could do this. And then I got knocked on my ass and was like, what is this? And and on top of the worry, right? So then I realized napping is something that I often encourage people to do. And even with that, they, they, there's that to-do list that people talk that you talked about that everyone has to have done all of a sudden I'm home. Now my to-do list should get done and not realizing your to-do list consists of, can I pee? Can I take a shower? Or can I poop? Right. And, and who's yeah. going to feed me? And that's the reality yeah. of it. So yeah, definitely. I think that those are great tools to have people think about, or even like eating, as you said, like we, we think three meals, well, we're producing milk. Mm-hmm. Our bodies right. are working hard. You're going to be ravenous. And if there's no food in the house and no one's thought about getting you food, yeah. what do you eat? How do you sustain that? Like what foods are good and nourishing mm-hmm. for the body and thinking about that postpartum period. I agree. I think that that's one thing that people really don't. Yeah, no one prepares for postpartum and they really, really need to. I also feel like no one really knows how to get, like, what's the right support for them. So when you ask people, Mm -hmm. like, who's going, what do you need? And it's like, they get this blank look over the face because no one's really 
you know, they say, I want help. I want help. But you actually have to know what kind of help you need in order yes. to tell people how to help you. Right. Exactly. So when people are coming home, it's like, okay. And knowing who is the right person for that help. Exactly. exactly. You know, you don't want your cousin who you would go into the club with and y'all was cool, but you really know that deep down inside she's selfish and she's probably yeah. not going to help. So <laughs> yeah. Don't have them in your case. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I often tell people, I'm like, make a list of all the things that need to get done in the house and put it on the refrigerator because that's the other thing. They have people come over, right? And then they're like, what do you need? And people are like, and people are like, oh, nothing and then they leave and they're like oh I needed milk I need orange juice I need this and no one to get it or just someone to take out your garbage like I often say this is the one time you can ask people to take out your garbage and they're not offended right because <laughs> yeah. people want to help but they don't know how to ask for that help and who I um in the my first interview um was with these two um women that were that I know Natalia Hales and um Ash Spivak, who wrote, Why Did No One Tell Me This? And that book lists in the front of it, like, who are your people? Like, who are your people now? Mm -hmm. And who are your people when you're pregnant? And who are your Mm -hmm. people postpartum? And Mm -hmm. and it speaks to that they're not going to be the same people. And it's going to change. And it's going to be okay. But you have to realize who your tribe is and why you need certain people in your tribe. Like you said, the cousin who you party with is not the one that you're going to ask to come over first thing in the morning to hold the baby. clean your bathroom. Exactly. Right? (laughs) Exactly. Because she was clubbing last night and she's not going to come in the morning. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So, Tanisha, what about you? What are the things that you're seeing? And the... Um, when I, when I get to the house, I see a lot of, uh, like everyone else said, breastfeeding, um, sleep deprivation, right? Because again, like everyone said, that they don't really prepare for the postpartum period. And as a birth doula, that's one of the main things I do. That's, those are questions that I ask. Who, even, if, even at the birth, right? Like if they have a dog, who's watching your dog? I had a funny story. I had a client bring their dog to the hospital. And I remember sitting in their living room saying, because I saw that they treated their dog like a baby and that this dog sat at the dining room table and, you know, Soho and, you know, elevated front door. You take the elevator up and you're in their apartment. And, you know, it was like, um, who's going to take care of the dog when you go into labor? Oh, don't worry. We have someone get to the hospital and the dog's there. So again, like asking those questions. Yeah, the dog yeah. is there. And then I was blamed for saying that they could bring the dog, but it's, oh, it's okay. No, <laughs> yes, no, yes. no. Yes, it was, it's a funny story. I love to tell it, um, <laughs> you know, and yeah. So the dog came to the hospital. The dog was there for a very long time. And um, before they, finally got them to get the dog out. And, you know, at one point I was saying to myself, if they ask me to keep this dog, then they're <laughs> going to be paying a very high paid exactly. dog center. Exactly. And I'll take this dog home and my dog and this dog will have a play date and they can continue laboring. <laughs> that didn't happen. The dog left. But again, like preparing, having them think about these things because they don't, they get so geared up for the birth that they forget all about the postpartum period. Um, and so, talking to them about it. Who, what does your support system look like? Right. Again, it's not that cousin that you clubbed with, you know, a year ago, it's not, it may not be the grandmother, you know, because they have their own set of ways and things, how they did it. And 
that doesn't really translate into the way you want to do it, you know, now in these days. And so like making sure that they, they have that support and that they understand that it might be different from what the birth support looked like. Right. Um, I like to always tell them, I like to stay, I always say, listen, we need to stay one step ahead of what you, what you need to do because we know like how we like certain things in our household. And as women, you know, we kind of like, take charge and do everything we need to do. And we were taught, we put the world on our back and we keep going and doesn't matter. We can do this. Don't get down. You know, I had one client who mother told her that black women don't suffer with postpartum depression. Mm. And I said, what? There's no, there's no race connected to this, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Um, And she was a young girl. And so I, you know, my daughter had found her actually. They were, my daughter was out at a bar like a little restaurant bar next to our house. And she calls me, mom, mom, you need to come here now. I said, listen, I just came from my birth. I'm too tired, Taryn. Like, please don't, I can't do this. No, 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 mom. You really need to come talk to this girl. Like she's told me some things and I'm worried about her. And I said, okay. So I go, it's like right across the street from my house. So I go sit down and the 10 minutes that I spoke to her, she's tried to kill herself and her baby God. and her mother told her that black people, black women don't suffer from postpartum depression. So there is a stigmatism oh, to it. Right. So it's like, I was her doula after that. I said, listen, give me your number. I'm coming to see you tomorrow. Exhausted. I was exhausted 36 hours at a birth, but I went and saw her and I sat with her. I spoke to the mom. I spoke to the husband because husbands suffer with postpartum depression too. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't know that all the time. People don't talk about it. Cause again, we're taught to like pick up your shit and get your stuff together, <laughs> you got this. And there's no, there's no crying about it. There's no moping around. You have to feed your baby. You have to eat. You have to take a shower. You have to keep the house clean. You know, and when you break and you can't do that, then it's like, oh, yeah, she must have been suffering postpartum depression. Yeah, for five months. And no one, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and no one noticed mm-hmm. it. So, like, staying one step ahead, helping them, like LaShonda said um, and Odell said, just prepare for that period, right? Because you really don't, know what to expect right like you're like oh we're gonna go home we're gonna have this wonderful little baby we're gonna have this fantastic life and i'm like you're never gonna sleep again you're gonna worry more like this is i'm not scaring you i'm shooting you straight business like yes who is going to help you right because it Mm -hmm. looks great on paper but in reality like you're gonna lose your shit like Mm -hmm. you're gonna be like whoa I had no idea this was going to happen, that I was, wasn't going to sleep or that I wouldn't have time to shower or that I'd forget to pee, you know, and now I'm like leaking on my pad, you know, with my stitches and my mm-hmm. perineum is mm-hmm. sore, you know, mm-hmm. and no one told me to use the perineum bottle to squeeze when I pee so it doesn't burn, you know, like little things like that they don't think about or, you know, like preparing popsicles, you know, padsicles for them, all sorts of things. So really staying one step ahead. I've gotten to clients' houses and they're like topless babies on their breasts. <laughs> you know, they're crying. They're answering the door. Ah, what do I do? And I'm like, let me wash my hands. Give me one second. You made it this far. You're going to be okay. You know, and kind of like, it's a lot of talking too, right? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's not just like they, you know, they need help with breastfeeding. They need to process sometimes their mm-hmm. birth story yeah. and what happened and, and how they got to where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, so education, counseling, yeah. sometimes we're like counselors, right? yeah. you know, oh, yeah. therapists. It's like, I didn't go to school for this. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm supposed to talk you off the ledge now. Now I've got to like, you know, really dig deep and like say to myself, what would I need? Right. What would I want? 
telling them like don't have tons of people over like even before the pandemic like don't have tons Uh, of people in your house like you're exhausted and if you're gonna have company make it a baby happy hour right have four or five (laughs) people come over that that you know stretch of time two or three hours when you know the baby's gonna be the most pleasant and you have the most energy (laughs) and then kick people out and make them bring something make them bring you something that part and and i even tell them sometimes (laughs) Don't get dressed because if you get dressed, they think you're good, right? And you're not good. You're healing. The minute your placenta Mm -hmm. leaves your body, your body's like, okay, we've got to get back to like normal, right? Normal from nine months of carrying a whole human, right? Be in your pajamas. Put on your nicest pajamas. Like let them know I'm not okay. I'm good, but I'm not okay. And I need some sort of assistance sometimes. And sometimes people don't know how to ask for help. Exactly. Because they're so independent, right? I could do it. I'm that type of person. Like, I'm like, I could do it. I'm going to do it the way I want it done. I don't need you bringing your way of doing it into my house, you know? So really, and also meeting people where they are, right? Mm -hmm. Asking them how, just because, you know, I like my things a certain way, doesn't mean they like it a certain way. Asking them, how do you like this done? Yeah. You know, like, when do you walk your dog? When do you change your cat litter? All of those things, asking, including them in this, you know, support as opposed to just coming in and tearing the house up the way we think it should which be is, because we're postpartum doulas. Or which you is know. what a grandma would do or an auntie. Right, it's like, exactly. Yes. Which exactly. family members would do. Uh, which because is helpful, but it's right. not, it's like, but it's it not that down. way. Right. Yeah. 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 And me as a postpartum doula, I really want you to do it your way. I want you to figure out because when I leave, I'm leaving. I'm not coming back when our services are done. Like I do. And I always tell my clients, I do not want to become a crutch. I need (laughs) you to get what I'm teaching you. So that way you can fly, you can go out, you can flourish and you're not calling me. I'm not working with you six months to a year and your child is talking and walking now. (laughs) Now I'm not your postpartum doula. I'm like a highly paid friend or a babysitter or a nanny. You know what I mean? So I'm very, I'm very transparent about that. I'm like, listen, I start at the lowest package of hours. If you need to add on, that's fine. But I need you to get what I'm giving you. So in that way, you can go into parenthood confidently. Like yeah. I do not, I have, I know doula friends that are still with people. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you doing with them? The baby's one. Like at one, I'm going to a birthday party. Yes. You know, like I'm like yeah. saying, oh my wow. God, congratulations. You did it one year down. Everyone's still alive and breathing. You're smiling. You're happy. Like that's what I'm doing at one. I'm not still working with you at one years old. That's, yeah. that's, I don't want to become a crutch. I think people think when they say, oh, um, I can't do it without you, or yeah, you um, I wish you could stay forever. Or, <laughs> yep, you, like, you sure I do. Wish yeah. could, I, I wish you could people, move in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Been people people think. Like, yeah. like, no, like no, you got this one like, after... After like five times of asking to move in, yeah. I said, okay, no, I need to let people know I am not a crutch. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think people are doing it because they think that they're complimenting us. And they're like, yes. oh, but yeah. in our business, that's not a compliment. That means that I'm and, not doing my job because my and, job is to And the color of our you. skin. And because oh, of the color whole, of our skin. That's you know, a whole nother podcast. That, <laughs> <laughs> that will be part two. I, I can take that a whole different way when you yes. say that to yeah. me. Can I move yes. No, I'm not. Not the wet nurse, no. Yes. Not the the nanny, no. You know what I mean? So, like, there's very, 
gray lines sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I just need to make it very clear when I'm working, I do not do windows. Right. I'm not like, (laughs) there's no, you have to be very clear and like, and they're different. No, I do not do windows. I don't care who it is. Honestly, I do not do windows. (laughs) But there are certain things, you know, that some doulas aren't comfortable doing that others are, you know, so being very clear about what your services are, what they entail, what your needs are, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to leave your house feeling like I was your slave. Yeah. Right. And I work with people with a lot of money and not all of them are of color and I need to make sure that I'm comfortable when I go into your house and when I leave your house that this was postpartum work, right? Mm-hmm. And not something else. And right? I think that's the biggest, the, biggest, the biggest thing for them to differentiate, right? Is that you can have a baby nurse mm-hmm. and, it's, and clearly is descriptive, a baby nurse. This person right. comes in and does everything for this baby. There's no, there's no uh, confusion as to, can you wash my clothes? Can you clean out the tub? Baby nurse, right? And those right. people live in, the, in houses for like three months, four months, six months. Mm-hmm. And the biggest complaint I would find when I first started and I was doing a lot of postpartum is that they leave and then these people have a six-month-old that they don't know what to do with because... Because they weren't nurse, raising them. The baby exactly. nurse was raising the them. The baby nurse night. was raising them, right? And so, yep. like you said, I, I, the, biggest, the biggest part that I try to explain to people is that you, your doula is going to work herself out of a job because she has to teach you. But then mm-hmm. finding the people who don't, they just want you to do it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to do it. Right? right. And so having that, having that um, distinction and being clear, like you said, I don't do windows. Uh, I'm not going to steam clean your floors. No. Like, they start finding all <laughs> I'm not holding your husband's do. underwear. No, or washing <laughs> like, them. I mean, unless for that matter. in the wash but, yeah, accident, but, that's different. But let's, you know, let's, but, yeah. Let's you talk know, about so. the services that, that, and hours. You mentioned hours. Adele, what are the services? What are, what hours do you provide? Do you provide an hourly rate or a block of hours? And what are you, what are you clear about that you do and don't do? Um, yeah, so I provide hourly rates. Sometimes I do a block of services. It depends on the family. And actually, we, I don't think we talked about this, but all of the things we said about what, what people are going through the first few days applies if you have, if this is not your first child. So I think a lot of that's the other misconception that people who have more than one child should already know this stuff. They don't need help anymore. Uh, no, opposite. <laughs> you need yes, more help. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You need more, maybe you need more tactical or well, strategic help. Okay, now I have to figure out how to do all of the stuff I was doing before. Healing, sleeping, not eating, deciding whether to shower, and now I have a toddler. Okay, so now a lot of it might be calendar stuff. Um, so I, I help with that, um, just talking it through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes if you have a partner or husband talking it through might sound like blaming or yeah. I need you to do this and why aren't you doing this yeah. versus just, you know, brainstorming. Um, brainstorming can feel like an attack when you've been, when you're both sleep deprived and, and the only people responsible for these two humans or more, because you could also have multiples. So that's a whole other bag of worms. Um, so yeah, I help with multiples, I help with second, third, fourth baby 
So at that point, it's not so much teaching how to breastfeed, even though each child is different. Your relationship yeah. with that baby is different. Your, your whole body is different. So it might be teaching all that over again, especially if you have that gap in um, age. Like my sister had a baby, and then six years later, she had another baby. So it's like, oh. Well, look at all these new things they have on the market. Do I need this? This? I'm like, no. <laughs> or if they had, no. <laughs> if, if she had a vaginal birth before and now she Versus had a cesarean, a right? Yeah, so. very different healing process, exactly. Yeah. So I, my hours are um, also flexible. So I try to do morning sometimes, early morning, um, that witching hour when maybe you're trying to get a kid off to school or husband out the door or whoever's going back to work. So all of that is um, this. Uh, I don't know, okay, control chaos. Sometimes it's not controlled. And that's the same thing that happens at nighttime, right? You, everyone's coming home, everyone's starving, but you've been bleeding all day. <laughs> you've been sleeping all day. You've been, yeah. nothing's ready. I am also starving, so feed me. <laughs> like, yeah. well, why was I in charge of that? Um, so just trying to coordinate that and, and figure that out. Sometimes it's meal planning and we're going to meal prep together and get everything in the freezer and, you know, set a calendar at three o'clock, put everything in the oven or whatever it is. So we're, we're just... We're, like you said, um, like Tanisha said and LaShonda, just trying to prep you for when I leave because I'm not going to be here forever and you need to be able to, right now it's, I am a crutch and I'm supposed to be a crutch because you need the help while you're healing, but I can't stay here. So you, when I'm teaching you how to stand back on both feet while you're, when you're ready. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do overnights too. And that's, um, that is more of a baby nurse kind of situation because I'm not, teaching anybody anything they're sleeping i'm trying to get yes. them a good solid chunk of un un uninterrupted sleep so michael which is actually pretty interesting because now that i have um a seven month old like if he cries for two seconds i'm like wait wait wait, wait. <laughs> calm down it's, it's not the same yeah <laughs> yeah i'm trying to keep the baby from crying right i'm trying to anticipate watching the feeding cues and all that kind of stuff but when you're nine months old maybe you're just annoyed because you dropped your toy Versus you're nine days old and you're starving because you woke up because you're, you're awake. <laughs> like, yeah. So there's a, a difference in that. And, and I'm, you know, teaching them before they go to sleep. I'm showing them what I did when they wake up. Um, sometimes with breastfeeding parents, I'm bringing the baby to them so they don't have to actually get out of bed. A lot of parents have the baby in a different room, which, you know, it's, it's a personal preference. But it, when I'm not there, I think it's, um, it's harder, right? So now you have to actually be awake. You're awake, you're walking, you're picking a kid up, you're going back to bed. Like it's a, it's a lot of awake time. And depending on how tired you are, it takes that much time to get back to sleep, especially if your brain is racing with all of these anxious thoughts or, yes. you know, all the hormones, the normal hormones, right? This is, you're supposed to be a little anxious after you have a baby because that's instinct, right? You don't want the saber tooth tiger to get your kids. So yes, yes. you're more alert. You're more aware. You hear a noise. You wake up. You look around. This is survival tactics. But some, you know, everything is so loud. Like Tanisha was saying, everything is triggering that. So if you have a, a tendency towards more anxiety, this only makes it worse. And it's it's very interesting that you know the time we live in, everything, all the the light um, pollution, like all that kind of stuff, just makes everything so hard to get into the right rhythm. Um, so I, I try to talk to them about all that kind of stuff. Like, okay, you're having a hard time sleeping. This is natural. But here are all the unnatural things. Like, why are all the lights on in this place? Right. <laughs> yeah. Turn some things off. And act like don't it's look nighttime. at your phone. Like, don't right. look right. at your exactly. phone in the middle when's of the night. The, right. Yeah. When's the last time? Exactly. It's like, set a timer. Actually turn it off. You yeah. don't hear it. Don't let it ring except for, I don't know, two people maybe who yeah. actually have an emergency 
reason to call you. Like it's off. You don't, there's no reason to look at it. They can charge another room. Like all these kind of little things that people, they know they should do, but they don't really think about. And again, you're, you're sleep deprived. So your brain is not working optimally. Your brain is really on survival mode. Um, And that's not the best for strategizing and long-term thinking. I wanted to, I want to go back a little bit um, and cover the difference between baby blues and postpartum depression and how doulas, especially postpartum doulas, can see these distinctions and be kind of a bridge to the parents. Um, So if, if anyone would like to talk, like we could all go around and talk about like what are the, the things that you've been trained to see um, and how do you bring that up? Baby blues is different because it doesn't last as long as mm-hmm. postpartum depression. Um, how long does it last? About two weeks. It, okay. Yeah, about two weeks. Um, and postpartum depression can last much longer. Mm-hmm. It does last much longer, um, like months, years. I mean, I think I know some women now who are still suffering with postpartum depression, um, yeah. but never really got help. Um, the things we look out for, like if you go in the home and it's dark, it's not lit, like Odell was saying, it's like very dark, they're not eating, um, they haven't bathed, and not because they don't, they didn't have time, just because they don't want to, they don't have their, you know, they're feeling down, um, crying, you know, could be anything really. Like if someone doesn't cry, I'm a little nervous that it's worse mm-hmm. than postpartum depression. It's like crazy. So I'm like, you should cry sometimes. It's okay to cry sometimes. But like, you know, looking for those signs of like not wanting to do anything, not caring much about anything that's going on or not, you know, having a connection with the baby, that sort of thing. Um, feeling way more anxious than, you know, normal anxiety when you have a person you born. Um, anything else, guys, you want to add? It's not only, I think uh, the number one, not number one, but it's, more common for people to say like oh the the mom doesn't have a connection with the baby but Mm. also the uh the the opposite of that where it's so much that no Mm. one else can do anything for the baby but me and they're Mm -hmm. so connected to the baby that they can't sleep they're always watching the baby they're always so when there's so much anxiety around the baby so again safety yeah right the baby's safety and stuff too yeah yeah mostly i go in Go ahead. I was going to say the thought. So a lot of it is talking to the parents. So we're looking for things, but we're also talking about things. You know, how did you sleep? Mm-hmm. What did you guys do last night? Oh, I couldn't stop thinking about, well, what if I, what if I trip when I walk up the stairs with baby? Mm-hmm. Or what if I, so their, their thought kind of might go from anxious to um, threatening, not threatening, but just kind of a little bit past normal. A little irrational, most, you would say. Yeah, like irrational, quote unquote, yeah. Quote, unquote our brains who, you know, are, can see it, you know? So a lot of what I do with the teaching is talk to the partners. But like we said, mm-hmm. I talk to both of them in my classes because yeah. I say, you know, the partners can have postpartum depression too. You don't have yeah. the hormonal component, right. but the, you still have the overwhelming feeling, this overwhelming mm-hmm. feeling, and you can't logically think of a way around it. If that mm-hmm. makes, that's how I try and break it down for them because yeah. you know on a normal quote unquote normal situation like in your life or work or whatever we get overwhelmed but we can sometimes sit back and go okay but this is how I can but when you are finding that you can't do that 
then that's the cue. A big one for, again, mostly I go in for lactation. A big one is when I'm taking a history. I want to know if you have, if, do you have a therapist? Do you have a history of any anxiety depression. or depression? Are you right. on medication? Because then I know, and then couple that with what they're saying and talking to me about with the mm-hmm. feeding and such sometimes gives me, uh, a, a, you know, that little light bulb that's like, hmm. That also you know, goes hand I, in hand with the with the preparing them for their postpartum support, right? So if right. they when we do do these intakes and we and we do find out that they seek therapy or that they suffer with depression or anxiety, then we're making sure that they're still connected with those therapists, you know, mm-hmm. that they're you know being with because that sometimes comes up, right, in the postpartum period. So that that also, like Lashonda said, helps us to be more aware of what might come up since they're already, you know, seeing a therapist and making sure that they have that therapist number on hand or the partner does, you know, I'm always like, Make an appointment. Make an appointment with your therapist. Like, now, you know? now, right? Exactly. Like, set it now. Know. So that way, after now. you have a baby, you're already, <laughs> you know. Or no, like, when I'm in there for feeding, people don't think that oh, that's yeah. a part of, like, lactation. Oh, like, yeah. you're talking to talk yeah. about feeding. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do this, and we can pump a little. But but also, you're going to make an appointment with your therapist, you know. Like, <laughs> while, like, while I'm here, right? <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. that's one of the benefits of having a postpartum doula, because you're not in the thick of it. You're not, like, you're not the one who's also sleep-deprived or you're not yeah, you know, right. related directly related to the situation because so you can take a step back and say okay you know what here's some resources maybe you need to go to a, a mommy um baby yoga class maybe you need mm-hmm. some other way to connect with the baby maybe you need to go to a support group for new mothers new parents so it, it, maybe it's not always therapy it doesn't always have to be you know postpartum right. psychosis yes. we don't have to go mm-hmm. to the extreme sometimes you just need have you guys gone around the block for a walk yet you know you need right. vitamin d but right. just something to get out, get air, change your scenery. Cause it's, it's a lot. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that helps. Yeah. Sometimes that helps with people who think there's nothing wrong. Yeah. Right. So true. we walk it's in and we're like, Oh, something is definitely not right, <laughs> right. here. You know what I mean? Right. But we yeah. can't be like, you need therapy. We can't uh-huh. say that to them. So like yeah. getting them to go out for a walk and just kind mm-hmm. of, open. that's what I said. Like we're therapists sometimes because yeah. we hear and see a lot of things that, their therapists and other family members who don't live in the home see first. So yeah. those are, I, you know, some of the great benefits of having a postpartum jewelry. Yeah. And I think same. that guilt of like, I mm-hmm. don't like my baby right now. Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. compounds when it's like, no, mm-hmm. you just, it's okay. And you just needed to go for a walk and, and get a break and clear exactly. your mind and get some air. Yeah. One of my, when I was doing postpartum doula work, um, one of my clients, like she was so active, she would run and she would, she would say, I, I want to go sport. She wanted to go sport. And I was like, okay, well, let's figure out how to do that. And just right. saying that alone lifted. So you could just see it yeah. lift that, okay, yeah. we yeah. can make a plan. And so by like the third, you know, I went in there for the first couple of days. We had to figure out the lay of the land and figure out what was going on with this baby. And then me and him just hung out and yeah. she went for her runs and it was cool. Yeah. I joke with, I would joke with her and be like, you know, he's going to like chocolate women now, right? Because he <laughs> loves me. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that all my little yeah. European babies will have 
dated someone up there at some point in their life. <laughs> you know. But it's it's so true. Like sometimes it's just those walls feel like they're closing in. So it's not always like, oh, this is psychosis. This is just like mm-hmm. you need a change of scenery. Yeah. Right. And you need permission Go take a to walk. take that. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's yeah. not all about the baby. It has to be about you. Because if you're not right. healthy, if you're not okay, I mean as okay as you can be, you know, relatively no, but speaking. It's, you're not right. It's the same the as like yet, but yeah. It's the you same like the, the airplane, right? They say put your mm-hmm. air your your oxygen yep, on first. first before you and you're thinking like how can I put mine on before I put it on my baby? If you're not well, and even as <laughs> right. doulas, I think dumb. if we don't yeah. take care of ourselves, how mm-hmm. do we put ourselves in a position to take care of other people? Exactly. So we're constantly yeah. putting on our oxygen mask first. Yeah. And we're constantly teaching people to put their oxygen mask on before you try to take care of your household. And that yeah. might mean getting some outside help, someone mm-hmm. who's not related, you know, someone right. who is, you know, Trains, can see, yeah. can, can see mm-hmm. the picture for what it really is and not, yeah. you know, be in it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, ladies, this has been a great conversation. And I want to wait, I didn't tell you about my postpartum (laughs) hours. Sorry. (laughs) Thank you. Because somebody might call me up and they won't know. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Go ahead. Sorry. Because I was going to end on something else. Another question, but that, go ahead. Go ahead. We can still do it. I'll do it quick. I'll I'll do my thing. So, my hours are from about nine to six, right? This is in person. Um, 10 to six, I do virtual. So everything's virtual now for me. I have not, okay. I've had five virtual births while I was in Pittsburgh. Wow. Um, I have a postpartum nice. virtual client who just had her, she was due the 7th of August, just had her baby yesterday. We had our meeting Saturday, like mm-hmm. our prenatal meeting to mm-hmm. talk about like preparing for the postpartum period. And she was actually in labor while we were talking. She's like, I keep feeling this cramping. And I was like, yeah, that's good. She's yeah. like, what should I do? I was like, keep going on with the normal, you know, it's like, she's like, it's not painful. I said, no problem. Keep, keep up. It continues, you know, by three or four o'clock, call your doctor, let them know. Anyway, she was in labor. She had the baby mm-hmm. at like one twenty-four yesterday morning. And so she's my first postpartum virtual client. And I do do packages. My lowest package usually is 12. And then you can always add on. And that gives you like three, either three hour four visits for three hours or three Mm. visits for four hours. Right. And when I'm going into the home, I usually like to do a block of three or four hours just so that way, if it is breastfeeding, you can kind of Mm -hmm. see that within those hours, as opposed to like one or two hours. Um, so my virtual package now is about six hours just because I'm not in person and all of it's on, you know, line. So it's like, we can do an hour or an hour and a half of this, but three hours of this is not going to really, you know, change much (laughs) you know we need to work on what we talked about and then reassess in another day or two but um yeah so those are my you know i have packages from 12 to 16 to 20 to 24 hours um and yeah that's what i was going to say i think yeah (laughs) what about you what does your package include for for lactation um, well, lactation is, um, so when we were in the world and doing home visits, it would be um, usually two hours. I feel after two hours, you're really not computing yes. anything, right? Yeah. right? But it would be like, of course, I want to absorb observer feeding. So I would talk to them before and, and set it up. So when I get in, we can, you know, do the feeding and, and, and talk about all that you know, what needed to be, but anywhere from 90 minutes to two hours for an in-person, um, visit, um, for virtuals I'm doing, it's 
60 minutes to maybe 90 minutes. So just a little bit less. Again, still mm -hmm. able to absor observe the feeding, but obviously I can't do weights and all that stuff. So it's a little less. Um, when I was in the home, if we did, you know, if it was just like a tweak of a little bit of latch, then I would go through like, do you want to talk about pumping? Do you want to talk about it? And like I said in the beginning, I always bring a postpartum doula touch to, you know, my my visit. So I would always talk about like, well, what's going on and, and try and help them make a plan. I always You always leave them with a plan. So if anyone's out there listening, you're a lactation consultant, you're doulas, we always are working on a plan. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> but um but yeah but when i did postpartum do the work the same i feel like if you're in there doing less than three or four hours you're really not getting much done yeah so um we uh all of us we forgot to mention we're all a part of uptown village cooperative oh, no, i was gonna ask about yes. that definitely can you can you just say Say a little bit yeah. more about that uptown what it is and so uptown village cooperative we are um all women of color, uh, we are live in Uptown, so we are above 110th Street, so we service um, Harlem, Washington Heights, Inwood, the Bronx. Um, Adele and I are members of the cooperative, and Tanisha is uh, an affiliate doula, so somebody who is we love and we all share the same philosophy. <laughs> um, so part of Uptown Village Cooperative is that we have the doula agency aspect. So we do have, um, you can get a birth doula through us or you can get postpartum services and the same that we've been talking about. We sell them in packages because, you know, we want people to realize like some people are like, oh yeah, I want one. But again, they're thinking on that kind of nanny level, yes. you know, mm -hmm. so sometimes people are coming and they don't really understand. So we, under, we explain to them, like we have this whole, you know, podcast talking about what a postpartum doula is and what it is and what they can expect in those. So our, our, um, uh, I want to say pods, our hours, <laughs> our little <laughs> hours start at about 16 hours. And like Tanisha said, you can break that up into either three or four hours. Um, shifts, we, for lack of a better word. And there's overnights included in that as well? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't yeah. do overnights, though. Yeah. <laughs> Depending no. on I the people. <laughs> I, st I stopped doing overnights years ago, and I, I was like, people would always ask, and I just kept raising my rates, and people were still like, okay, okay, and then finally, I was just like, I don't want to do them. That's why I had to just... <laughs> yeah. No, I don't do them. I just call yeah. all of my doula sisters that do. Yes, exactly. I refer out. Adele, was there anything you wanted to add to that? I want to make sure everyone was covered. Yes. No, good. <laughs> well, thank you, ladies, so much for this conversation. It has been enlightening. I, I want to thank LaShonda, especially because we met a few months. Well, was it the month that oh, the pandemic happened? Like I a week? think so. Oh, wow. yes. and, and we had a conversation about having a roundtable and sitting down and talking about this. And so, and I was starting my podcast then. Um, and after with all of this happening, I was just like, no, we have to get it done. We have to get our voices out there. I think it's important that people understand that, you know, postpartum doula work is still viable and also lactation is still viable. Like all of it is still viable and people are still asking us to come in person in hospitals and have to understand the risk that we're assuming, not just for ourselves, for them, but for our families as well. So I love that all of you shared that this is the virtual work is important and Definitely. it can happen. Thank yeah. you so much. Yes. Yeah. Thank and you. And once this is all over, I can't wait to meet you in person. Like, <laughs> yeah. you have yeah. to go out yeah. for a drink and <laughs> talk some more. Yeah.
Gracias. Thanks for listening to the Clear Birth Podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find me on Instagram at the Clear Birth Podcast. If you want to send me an email, you can reach me at the Clear Birth Podcast at gmail.com. Adios. Hasta luego. Goodbye. Until next time.